Svechnikov again in back of the goal. He stops in a dive. Lacrosse goes. Scores! What a goal! Andrei Svechnikov reaches into those bag of tricks for some magic here in the third period. A highlight real goal. And the Canes have tied it. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. A little John Forslund for you. That's hockey, baby. The Canes look to be going down in defeat last night, hosting Bill Peters and Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin and the Calgary Flames. They instead ground out a 2-1 to victory, most importantly. And along the way, as we welcome your calls on Richard Burr versus college athletes, World Series Game 7, NFL football, college football, Duke in action tonight, final exhibition for the Devils in college basketball, that regular season less than a week away, Anthony Davis in all the right NBA headlines, and Andrei Svechnikov, the young Russian sniper for your Carolina Hurricanes, had a sensational goal from behind the net last night. One of our questions of the day is related to that. What name should we give that goal? It has been done in various forms at the college and other levels of hockey. Some say it has the name Michigan because of what was done by a Wolverines player. You're behind the net. The goalie's turning his head trying to find you. And lacrosse style, you, you, you reach around as if there were a magnet keeping the puck on your stick. And you tuck it under the crossbar, over the goalie's shoulder. NHL style, it had never been done the way Andrei Svechnikov did it last night. More than 100 years ago, a guy in figure skating named Ulrich Salkow did something on skates that was so phenomenal, so unprecedented for the last 100 years. Most of us only tune into figure skating at most once every four years for the Winter Olympics. But if you've ever wondered what a Salkow is or a double Salkow or the triple Salkow, it all traces to Ulrich Salkow more than 100 years ago. Tebowing was created by Tim Tebow. Being mossed in the NFL is a tribute to former NFL wide receiver Randy Moss. The jump ball, where the big, long, lean wideout goes over the little guy D-back and makes a nice catch for a first down or a touchdown. What name should we give the sensational goal scored by Svechnikov last night? You can chime in on that. We're also getting some creative entries in our What Song Would You Play If Today Is Truly the Death of the Arena Football League. Gene Simmons of KISS, Vince, Vince Neal of Motley Crue, and John Bon Jovi all were among AFL team owners. That league was born in 1987. It may have died earlier today. We are offering tributes musically with that in mind, just in, just in case the AFL is actually really dead this time. 1-800-849-2761. Not sure I've seen them all, but the leading vote-getters for Svechnikov's goal the Netchnikov, you've been Svetched, and the Svechnetter. I'm not sure any of those is going to cling or stay in the vernacular the way T-Boeing has or the Triple Salcal has. 1-800-849-2761. I may have missed some. My staff can fill me in if I have. You can be next with your question or comment. World Series Game 7 tonight. Nationals at Astros. Max Scherzer against Zach Greinke. Thanks to Tim Kirchin of ESPN for dropping by. The NBA, the NHL, college football, and college hoops are also available for your question or comment. Calvin is in Winston-Salem and wants in on this NCAA name image likeness debate for the first time in its history just yesterday the NCAA gave the green light to college athletes making money off their name image likeness that is really big news 
in a narrow sense. The NCAA has said no to that for a century or more. It says yes now. Now, why, isn't the, why is it not the biggest news? Well, because even though I think some are downplaying, others have said college athletes should get this money. The NCAA has never, ever, ever formal, formally publicly said we're on board with this until yesterday. That's not small potatoes. I've been at this for 33 years, and if you told me in 1987 this would happen, I would have been highly skeptical. This day has come. Now, why is it not the biggest headline? Well, the devil is in the details. We don't know what the NCAA is going to approve or disapprove as those details and wrinkles get ironed out. As we go to Calvin in Winston-Salem, I'll also quickly answer Stewart's question. Stewart says, well, what's to prevent the world from evolving into, well, my boosters have more money than your boosters? One thing we already know even though it was just yesterday that the NCAA Board of Governors put out its statement, we already know that recruiting inducements remain against the rules. When this new, might even be three different sets of rules. Remember, the Board of Governors asked Division I, Division II, and Division Three to come up with different proposals that would allow athletes to enter the free market. Most of them might make nothing, but at least you're entering the good old-fashioned capitalistic American free market. Who knows how much the top athletes in the highest profile sports might get for appearance fees or pitch man services or for being used in a video game or for autograph sessions and other things. That is a faucet that is going to be opened to some degree, details pending. Richard Burr is so angry at the idea that even though he's a former Wake Forest football player who played in the 70s, a time where there wasn't really money to spread around, there was no exploitation of any kind of athletes, the way the multi-billion dollar industry today can be accused of not giving star players in the revenue sports enough in exchange for their services. The North Carolina Senator Richard Burr was so mad that he announced yesterday he wants to weaponize the U.S. tax code against any college athlete who may dare benefit financially from the free market by taxing the value of their athletic scholarship. Stewart asked about boosters. Remember, if you want to hire somebody as a pitch man and you attach that money to signing with your favorite school or even staying at your favorite school, what if the star quarterback you know, wants to be a grad transfer at Alabama next year instead of giving one more year to your school. If you tie your pitch man money or whatever else you're proposing through as a third party, if you tie it to signing with your school or staying with your school, it is still a patent violation of NCAA rules and would be disallowed. For anyone wondering, won't that be difficult to police? Answer, yes, it will be difficult to police. How do you read minds, Darren Vaught? Are you good at reading minds? Unfortunately, sometimes, no. Sometimes you can actually read mind. Like when you saw Richard Burr's inane, indefensible, <laughs> outrageously tone deaf tweet yesterday, you know me well enough that you kind of read my mind. It's less reading your mind and more, you know, detecting patterns. I know you pretty well at this point. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, in a way, I read your mind on that one. Imagine this hypothetical third party offers money to quarterback going into his final year unless you read minds can you tell whether that offer was you got to stay with my team for your senior year rather than transferring to Nick Saban for your grad year can you tell I mean if they write it in there it's obvious but you know I think they may be smart enough not to write that in there yeah unless you read minds 
or you have some kind of evidence, this is really an offer to make sure the star player stays here at Podunk State University rather than just this quarterback taking advantage of the free market. And, yeah, lots of people get lots of money for being a pitch man. Heck, I make a lot of money as a pitch man. Now, the NCAA doesn't govern me, thankfully. Richard Burr sadly does, in some ways, control the tax code that affects all of us. I'm skeptical to the point of angry that he has been asleep at the switch as the NCAA is still tax-exempt, despite being a multi-billion dollar industry. And the PGA Tour is still tax-exempt, despite being a multi-billion dollar industry. And Liberty University is still tax-exempt. And the NRA is still tax-exempt while donating $7 million to him. And yet somehow, some athletes want much tinier chunks of money just by taking advantage of the free market, and that's his line in the sand. Man, something rotten is in Denmark and in this case something rotten is in the state of North Carolina because that's exactly the stench of that proposal is so powerful that you must live in a country club atmosphere with no one who doesn't look like you or attend different churches than you while being served caviar and champagne on a daily basis as people of color handle the landscaping and the food service that surrounds you, but none of them are allowed at the decision-making table. That is the only perspective from which you can leave all those other things the same in the tax code. 60 companies didn't pay a dollar in U.S. federal income tax last year, but that's fine. Some athletes want to make a little cash, and all of a sudden you need a new proposal to tweak the tax code. Tone-deaf, inappropriate, outrageous, and clearly bordering on racism, given the most likely to profit are football and basketball players far more than the other college sports, and they happen to be in larger numbers than the general population, African-American football and men's basketball players. 1-800-849-2761. Calvin in Winston-Salem, you're next on the David Glenn Show. Hey, Calvin, what's going on? It's good here, David. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. I'm kind of fired up. I'm unhappy. I, I don't like the powerful taking advantage of those who are not at the negotiating table. And this is just a bare-boned example of that. And Richard Burr, our senator, should be embarrassed for running this up the flagpole. He will. He's been a guest on this show, by the way. And for anyone wondering, he'll be invited to join me. But if he says anything incorrect, I will interrupt him unapologetically because I'm tired of our leaders lying to us or misleading us on purpose about these things. And I am at least as well versed in the tax code and the laws of our state and country as Richard Burr is. And I don't think most people that he speaks to in the media fit that description. So none of his spokespeople, Darren, none of his minions. If Richard Burr wants to rejoin us himself, I've got some questions for him. Go ahead, Calvin. All right. Well, D, D, I appreciate you taking my call and and uh, great points that you made here uh, this afternoon on the issue. As we we talk about our senator, who's already announced that he won't be running for re-election, he's uh, going to hang up his uh, ink pen, so to speak. Um, I, he's making this proposal that will impact student athletes who have a scholarship and right. wanting to tax those scholarship dollars if they um, make money off their likeness and image, but. What about the uh, computer computer engineering major who uh, is offered to use his likeness and image by Joe's computer repair? You know, perfectly fine. 
Richard what, Burr's ma magically, Richard Burr is just not bothered by the musician who wants to benefit, perhaps while on a music scholarship, or I was on a full academic scholarship. There were no restrictions on me, I can promise you that. My, my academic full scholarship was not taxable. Why? Because that's what the U.S. tax code says. It's clearly a huge benefit to me financially to not have to pay for college, right? I mean, over four years, what would that be worth? Depending on the school, you might be talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? Not taxable. So for some reason, and I'm skeptical about the nature of that reason, Richard Burr's fired up about college athletes benefiting in this way when all sorts of those on academic scholarships or music scholarships or theater scholarships, all of them, man, they can have part-time jobs. They can use their name, image, likeness, no problems. But, yeah, you ask a college athlete who's helped create that multi-billion dollar industry, all of a sudden Richard Burr and many people like him are upset. I, I'm, I wonder the motive there. Like there are a lot of other tax code changes where there's a motive, right? You might believe in taxing the rich more. You might, be, you might believe in taxing corporations less because you believe it provides more opportunity. Whatever, there's always a good there. What is the good behind not allowing college athletes access to the free market as they are the talent in a multi-billion dollar industry? What is the good there? Is it protecting the status quo? I mean, is, we've gotten calls along those lines. Well, it's always been this way, DG, and how dare these young people ask to change the model. Man, I'm glad that there are smart people who don't buy the it should be this way because it's always been this way. I don't raise my kids that way. Imagine, Darren, what if you were a woman in our country more than 100 years ago? How dare you ask for the right to vote, young lady? It's always been this way, and you know, our families here in America are going to be disrupted. If the oh, what are they going to ask for next? If they're allowed to vote, holy cow, they're not going to be doing the dishes and mopping the floors. They might even want jobs at some point. I mean, for crying out loud, decisions should be made based on the fairness of something. Was it was the status quo better? When black people weren't allowed to vote? I mean, was the status quo better when women weren't allowed to vote? I'm not talking about a thousand years ago. I'm talking about a hundred years ago. Was the status quo better before the civil rights movement of the 1960s? Sadly, there are many Americans who would answer yes to that question, but that's another story uh, a little bit beyond the sports world that we're discussing right now. But what's the good? What is the good? I would say the good here is finally allowing the talent to benefit financially in an industry that has grown from peanuts financially back when Richard Burr was a Wake Forest football player in the mid-1970s to multi-billions financially. And again, they're not asking the university to foot the bill. They're asking to open a side door where third parties can pay them. So it's a double standard, Calvin, is the answer to your question. All those other people on scholarship or whatever are already allowed to do all of these things. It's just somehow the college athletes being allowed to do it stuck a burr in Richard Burr's saddle in a way that I think exposed him for some of his own hypocrisy. I thank you for the call. I hope I answered your question. And again, Stewart's question it is still a recruiting violation, even under the new system that awaits us a couple years from now. You can't have boosters tying their pitchman money. And can you, can, can you prove, let's say I'm a car dealership, and I'm a big contributor to, to uh, our mythical Podunk State University. Darren, you're one of my biggest boosters. 
and you just keep offering, uh, I don't know, you have a big special on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon. Maybe it's the offseason for football players. And you can rotate the basketball players in at your discretion. But miraculously, a whole lot of them are getting like, whatever, $5,000 appearance fees to be at your car dealership signing autographs. Again, this will be allowed in the new version, not allowed for the last 100 years of the NCAA amateurism model. The NCAA rule is still going to be it can't be a recruiting inducement for you to give them that money. So what are they going to do? Are they going to put a fair market value on that appearance and say any dollar you give that athlete over the fair market value is going to be wink, wink, I'm giving you guys this only if you stay at Podunk State? I mean, again, you're not a mind reader. You can play with fair market value, but that gets a little tricky at times. If we can show that your car dealership gave – you know, a sports radio host, $5,000. And then miraculously, when the athlete came to do the same thing, it was twenty-five grand. Now you have some evidence that it wasn't just pure economics in you compensating those athletes that way. But good luck, NCAA, drawing those hairy lines because there's going to be more gray area than you know what to do with. Does that mean you shouldn't do it at all? In my opinion, no. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. Draw the best rules you can think of. Start it in 2021 if that's what it takes. See how the market and the world reacts and then react to that reaction. Maybe you have to tweak rules. Maybe you have to describe it in different ways. All that is coming down the pike. I mean, we already, most of us are not naive enough to believe that there's no ugly underbelly of modern-day college athletics. There's going to be more ugly underbelly tied to this new rule. The question is, is it still worth allowing this third-party money? And again, my answer is yes on fairness grounds. Brian is in Bun Level, North Carolina, and next on the David Glenn Show. Hey, Brian, what's going on? That's right, BG, from Bun Level, not to be confused with Bun. Well done. Thank you for that clarification. But I did just want to really emphasize the hypocrisy coming from Richard Burr and his ilk, and I really want collegiate athletes, future collegiate athletes, their families to remember this when it come time, comes time to vote. In, I mean, his, in, okay. his, in, in his case, it's too late, but in many other right. cases, it's not, yes. Uh, and so, uh, you know, it's okay for Amazon and Bezos to not pay any taxes on those billions, but for some kid wanting to use his athletic prowess, to uh, get a decent education right. and, you know, possibly move up to the pros. Here's my favorite example. Darren, uh, if your last name was Deer, D-E-E-R-E, would you ever name your son John? No. No, you wouldn't, right? No. Because there's a John Deere out there. Yeah. You're going to love this. John Deere, the tractor company, made $2 billion plus in U.S. income last year and didn't pay a dollar in U.S. federal income tax, okay? That's the tax code as encouraged and permitted by people like U.S. or North Carolina Senator in the United States Congress, Richard Burr. So John Deere, the tractor company, made $2 billion with a B-plus and didn't pay a dollar in income taxes. But if John Deere, the football or basketball player, wants a few thousand in an appearance fee or an autograph session, oh, Richard Burr is all out of whack. And we got to tax that scholarship because we can't stand for that as Americans. 
Anybody who can't see this outrageous double standard and hypocrisy might be a member of a cult. I mean, seriously. What news channel is playing in the background as these decision makers get to decide that John Deere, the tractor company, doesn't have to pay income tax, but John Deere, the college athletes, would? What's playing in the background there, Darren, as all the servants are handling the, the landscaping and the caviar and the champagne, all these old, powerful establishment people are making decisions? I wonder what channel is on in the background. 1-800-849-2761 as you're taking into the program. Probably a channel that serves a cult in one way or another, rather than, you know, allowing critical thinking in from time to time. 1-800-849-2761. More of your phone calls on the other side. More on Game 7 of the World Series tonight. More on the Andrei Svechnikov, Nechnikov goal. And what song would I play as background music if it's truly the demise and death of the Arena Football League. I have one that does include some combination of Gene Simmons, Kiss, Vince Neal, Motley Crue, or John Bon Jovi. It might be even a little better than Don't Go Away Mad, Just Go Away, although props to that person on Twitter who ran that up the flagpole earlier. We're goofing around. We're talking about serious matters, and we're welcoming your questions, comments, and complaints on the headlines of the sports day. You can be next at 1-800-849-2761 on The David Glenn Show. I made a reference to Mike Krzyzewski of Duke and his GOAT status. And I kid you not, I got angry emails. If I really wanted to insult somebody, I would include some kind of sentence about being in the bleeping prairie chewing on grass. This is The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. This is my answer to one of our questions of the day. As we get to more serious business as well, North Carolina Senator Richard Burr versus the NCAA, World Series Game 7, football, basketball, and your phone calls right now, 1-800-849-2761. If today truly is the death of the Arena Football League, which was born in 1987, my challenge to you was, given that Gene Simmons of KISS Vince Neal of Motley Crue and John Bon Jovi were among the higher profile team owners in the AFL. Should today be the true death at the age of 32? Although there were some seasons in the middle that they had to pull up stakes and not play at all. To their credit, they grew to 19 teams. They even had a developmental league called AF2, which was in mid-sized markets as the Arena League teams were in larger markets, including my hometown of Philadelphia. What song would you play as background music for the demise or perhaps even the death of the AFL? I think you got to go with Bon Jovi's Blaze of Glory, right? I don't, I don't know if we're at that point in the song's lyrics, but at some point they're shot down in a blaze of glory, right? Take me now, but know the truth, Darren. But I'm going down in a blaze of glory. Lord, I never drew first. Now, is he there yet? Is it coming up on the course? Here we go. Come on, John. Take us home. You're going down in a blaze of glory. That's what you're doing. That's what you're doing, John Bon Jovi. You made a lot of money along the way with your music. And from my understanding, you made some good money on the AFL as an owner as well. 
He is shut down in a blaze of glory, along with all the other AFL owners. Thanks for all of the other Kiss and Motley Crue nominations. That, I believe, was the leading vote-getter and was the one that I drew up earlier today as well. Joe in Raleigh likes at least part of Senator Richard Burr's plan, which would use the U.S. tax code to penalize any college athlete who a couple years from now takes advantage of the new rules and the free market aspect and if he or she takes money for autographs or endorsements or pitch man status or video games or whatever his scholarship or her scholarship becomes taxable i see that as a tone deaf proposal given many other things i see in the u.s tax code uh joe and raleigh sees at least some good things in senator burr's proposal welcome to the david glenn show go right ahead so um i first of all i want to say okay if the unc NC State, Duke is not uh, taxpayer-funded, or, or I may not be clear on that. But uh, the, these, these, rule, these rules would apply to everybody in the NCAA. Okay, all right. So, But here's, what, here's my point, okay? So if you're a state-funded university, let's just take out Duke, let's take out University of Miami, which, where I graduated from. If you're a state-funded university and you're, you're, you're a, 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 a young adult that accepts a scholarship and you want to go out and you want to make money, off of that scholarship because that's what you're essentially doing. You've got a scholarship to the University of North Carolina, so you're going to use your brand to make money off of the uh, off the autographs or off the sales of your jersey. Right. You're, now, take, you're taking you advantage. Hold on. You're taking advantage of a free market in the way that most all Americans, in most contexts, already do. Right. Exactly. Okay. Listen, I have no problem. Athletes should be paid. Okay. They they should be able to benefit. They should be able to pay. I played baseball at Miami. Uh, I, I had no money, uh, very little scholarship. And so, yes, I think athletes, if they can benefit and make money off of it. Right. However, if you're using that brand because, you know, and selling that jersey or those autographs, then, yes, your scholarship should be taxed and your, your anything that you benefit should be taxed. Because, again, my tax dollars go to support your scholarship. And, so do, words, and do you do you but, but hold on hold on do you believe that all non-monetary benefits in this case an athletic scholarship is a non-monetary benefit in the sense that those dollars are not being handed to that athlete right not the way a job would earn income for you it's they're paying for your room and board and tuition and you are nowadays actually getting some cash in the form of the cost of attendance adjustment but if if you're if you have those feelings and you support Richard Burr taxing that what about all of the non-financial benefits that, say, members of U.S. Congress get? Should they all be taxed? If Richard Burr gets free office space because he's a United States congressman, there's a value to that. I mean, especially in D.C. Have you ever seen rental rates for office property in the District of Columbia? He gets that sizable financial benefit for his enterprise, right? He earned his way into the North Carolina senator's role, just as a college athlete earned his or her way into that athletic scholarship. If you're saying, hey, tax the scholarship if these folks are getting all capitalistic on us, why wouldn't you tax Richard Burr's office space? Why do you have a double standard? Why do so many others benefit without having to pay taxes on those secondary benefits? And all of a sudden, if it's a college athlete who wants to do the same, now you want to tax his or her scholarship. Why the double standard? Or should Richard Burr be paying taxes on the, on the free office space in Washington, D.C. and the free flight? 
rights he gets as a United States congressman and the free airport parking he gets as a United States congressman or the free gym memberships he gets as a United States congressman or the free health care subsidies he gets as a United States congressman. All those things are secondary non-financial benefits, and he ain't paying taxes on them. Why the double standard? So let me answer that. So there is no double standard on my part. If you're a congressman, I don't care if you're Nancy Pelosi or Richard Burr. You should, you should, number one is, you shouldn't be, if you're going to push a health care plan on us, then you should be, you should have to utilize the same health care plan that we do. And yes, you should be paying rent on your office space and you should be paying your own health care. So my point is, is you're trying to make this a Republican liberal. No, I'm not. No, I'm Joe. Are. Hold on. Because Hold on, Joe. Hold on. The proponent of this measure is Republican congressman from the state of North Carolina, Mark Walker. It is an outrageous, ignorant accusation by you to say that. A Republican proposed what turned out to be the name, image, likeness rule, and Richard Burr happens to be a Republican who hates the idea. You're turning it into partisanship. I am an independent voter who calls out outrageous, hypocritical, stupid ideas on either side of the aisle, especially when I have legal or, in this case, tax expertise or 30-plus years of covering college sports. You are turning it into that. This is a classic example. Mark Walker and Richard Burr are members of the same darn party. And yet you're, you're giving what many of your ilk do, a false, ignorant accusation toward me, because you haven't even done your homework well enough to know that Mark Walker and Richard Burr, while members of the same party in the same state, are on opposite ends of this issue. That's not good enough for my show. I'm glad that you listened, but don't bring that garbage in here, or I will move on to the next person really quickly. I do my homework. That's why I don't say outrageous, indefensible things like you just said. And that's why I don't make hypocritical arguments like the one Richard Burr is making right now, where somehow the NRA gets to stay tax-exempt while donating to him $7 million. Somehow the PGA Tour in the sports world gets to stay tax-exempt despite closing in on $2 billion in annual revenue and donating some tiny portion of that to charity on an annual basis. It is outrageously hypocritical and filled with double standards that the NRA and the PGA Tour and others in the establishment still get that tax-exempt protection from people like Richard Burr. And then suddenly a young athlete wants that same kind of protection for the value of their scholarship, and that's where he draws the line. He is as uneducated or just doesn't care about that double standard as you were with your accusation. 1-800-849-2761. Michael is in Raleigh and next on the David Glenn Show. Don't bring that stuff in here. Don't bring that stuff in here. You better wear your big boy pants. You better know what you're talking about when you make ac accusations like that because uh, I, I love most of my listeners. Ignorance will not be tolerated on this show. False accusations will not be tolerated on this show. False equivalents will not be tolerated on this show. I save my strongest opinions for the areas I know the most about. You better wear your big boy pants if you're going to come in with stuff like that. Michael and Raleigh, you're next on the David Glenn Show. Hey, Michael, welcome to the program. Go right ahead. Hey, DG. Hey, long, time, long time listener. Enjoy your show. Thank you. Um, excuse me. I um I was lucky enough to play Division One golf in college in the early nineties, and um, I was on an eighty percent scholarship. That being said, 
a lot of my friends and, and people I lived with and whatever were, were basketball and football players. So I saw firsthand these guys struggle um, financially. It, I think what the average person doesn't understand, and, and yet we all received a monthly stipend for living expenses or whatever, but a lot of people don't understand is these kids live hand to mouth. They are from low-income uh, backgrounds. They are uh, not well off, um, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say it. I, t- I took a lot of these guys out to, to lunch, to dinner, right. because because I knew their financial situation. I saw know. the same thing in college. As a non-athlete, yeah. I I hooked up a lot of guys with a lot of things because yeah. I had at least a little money, and they they had very little. Now that has gotten better because of the cost of attendance adjustment. Uh, they're also allowed unlimited meals nowadays. That was not the rule 10 or 20 or 50 years ago. But you bring up a great point. A lot of people don't know this. And it gets to the class aspect of this debate. It's kind of a caste system where if you have the money of the NRA or the prestige of the PGA Tour uh, or some other angle where maybe PGA Tour people tend to look like more like you and the others at the country club who are making this kind of decision, somehow they get the benefit of the doubt in the tax code and they retain their tax-exempt status. But here's the reality. Who is the most – what are the most marketable sports, men's basketball and football – who would most likely attract the most money in pitchman services or autograph signings, et cetera, the athletes in football and men's basketball? Would there be the occasional swimmer and women's basketball player and, and baseball player? Of course there would be. But we all know the reality here. And I just happened to do my homework, unlike the last caller and perhaps unlike Senator Richard Burr as well. In the NCAA, the most recent number available is that about 18% of college athletes are eligible for what are called Pell Grants, 18% of college athletes. You have to be of really limited means to be eligible. It's entirely need-based. If your family or you have enough money, you don't get a Pell Grant. So 18% of NCAA athletes as a whole, last number I saw, eligible for Pell Grants. That is a sign of true poverty or something really close to that. The number goes sky high in football and men's basketball. At some universities that I know well, more than half the roster in those sports, again, 18% is all college athletes are on Pell Grants. You get to many schools in the two revenue sports. Again, these are the dudes most likely getting the appearance fees and the third-party money. It gets way past 50% are on on Pell Grants. So this hypocritical, outrageous, tone-deaf double standard is taking shots at the value of the scholarship for those largely African-American young men, whereas they are backing off and saying, oh, tax-exempt status is fine for the NRA when it's filling my pockets with $7 million, or the PGA Tour, where people look a lot more like me in the country club atmosphere, where there's also deep-pocketed donors to protect that tax-exempt status. And again, do your homework, folks. I, unlike the con men and the pathological liars out there in the political world and elsewhere, I encourage you to not take my word for things. Now, my track record for doing my homework and utilizing my legal background, I believe, is very strong. I do not steer you wrong often, and I never steer you wrong intentionally, ever. I don't see the purpose of misleading you on purpose. I find that despicable, and our politicians do it all the time. If you do your homework, do you know who's tax-exempt Tax exemption was up for debate in the United States Congress last calendar year, the PGA Tour. 
So, right, Richard Burr's going after young, largely, um, largely African-American athletes and wants to tax their scholarships if they'll just take third-party money. We don't even know if the amount of money they get offered as pitch men, they might have to use all of it just to pay the taxes on the scholarship if Richard Burr's nonsensical, indefensible, tone-deaf, double-standard, hypocritical proposal ever gains traction, which it won't because I and others in the public forum will absolutely fillet him mercilessly here and on my larger platforms every chance i get i promise you i will continue to do that i have three shows later today on radio and tv so it will be a relentless waves hitting against the beach between now and 2021 unless the proponents of these asinine proposals back off of them then i will back off of you but only then will i back off of you last calendar year Oh, it was the PGA Tour that wanted to, that had its tax-exempt status up for debate. Oh, and guess what happened? They called Jack Nicholas and they called Davis Love the Third, and they went to all their predominantly white country clubs, and they went to all their predominantly white deep-pocket friends and allies in the business world, and yes, in the halls of the United States Congress. And what happened? The PGA Tour, which has some years almost $2 billion in revenue, according to them, and yet at their peak gave like $190 million. That's less than 10% by those numbers to charity. That's nice, but it's not exactly bend over backward to give you the full tax exemption territory. So it was up for debate. Well, Davis Love III started placing calls to his highfalutin friends, and Jack Nicholas started placing calls to his, including members of Congress, and guess what? the PGA Tour's tax-exempt status was maintained again. The some of the same people that let that, and I don't even care. You don't want, I don't care if you're being consistent about it. But the idea that you're bending over backward for the rich, the elite, the establishment, the one donating $7 million to your political campaign, you're bending over backwards for the billions of dollars in their cases and yet you want to tax athletes' scholarships because they might want to earn after earning their scholarship in football, basketball, or some other sport. They want to earn some third-party income, so you're going to go after them with both barrels. Please, be better than that. Don't sell your soul. At what point do power and wealth and fame become so intoxicating that you not only bend over backward to protect those in the elite class with the tax code and everything else, but you even develop a distaste for the little people who are trying to make their slightly more complicated situations just a little bit better. Be better or you don't, be dis you don't deserve to be described as better. That's how it works on The David Glenn Show. We're back after this. Dean in Wilmington, you're up on the David Glenn Show. The NCAA book on violations is so sick Superman has trouble carrying. This is true. However, it's not buried into the small print in the back that you're not allowed to drive luxury cars that aren't yours. Okay? <laughs> Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. I don't know where we go from here, Darren. We're almost out of time, actually. Do I have time for one more phone call? All right, who do we got? I see a Mike. I see a Steven. I see a Robert. Let me go to Robert and Raleigh. You're next on the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. 
Hey, DG, thanks for taking my call, man. I've got a uh, question about uh, something that comes up not nearly as prevalent as uh, some of the things you touched on today, but happens from time to time. Uh, NCAA collegiate golfer gets invited to a professional tournament, you know, makes the cut, uh, then, yeah. uh, but in years past, they, you know, have to, in there, they're not eligible to collect, you know, whatever paycheck they would get. I didn't know how this. That won't change. That won't change. <clears throat> Uh, the, the, the shortest way I could put it is if you're making money for your athletics performance, even under this new rule, you are still losing your amateur status. It's, it's not pay for play. Like that golfer, when he does well, has to decide either I take that winner's paycheck and I'm no longer a college athlete or I defer the money. I play as an amateur and I go back to continuing to play collegiately. That's a hard decision if the check is big enough, right? That is not going to change. So whereas all these athletes in all these sports, when this is implemented, probably in 2021, they will be able to take autograph money. They will be able to take endorsement money. They will be able to take money from video game manufacturers for the use of their name, likeness, image. Uh, they will be able to attend autograph sessions and take money for that. They still, in all of these sports, if you cross the threshold where you are taking compensation for your actual athletics participation in that same sport, under the old rules, the current rules, and the future rules, you are still no longer an eligible college athlete. It's that third money, side door money that is the, the, so, the focal point of this debate. Final thoughts and TV picks as we come down the stretch next. Mike Krzyzewski joining us. We asked folks you work with at Duke if you've changed or mellowed over the years. Well, you know, mellow is having a glass of wine and looking over, you know, the sunset, you know. <laughs> uh, I don't see how you can be mellow and coach a game. That can't happen. If it does, then you shouldn't be coaching. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. We are coming down the stretch on today's program. And down the Thanks to Greg McElroy of ESPN. Tim Kirkjian of ESPN on the World Series. Thanks kind of, sort of, but not exactly to North Carolina Senator Richard Burr for, for providing the launching point for today's conversation. TV picks led by, of course, Nationals at Astros for all the marbles, hockey and basketball too. Enjoy the games. We'll see you tomorrow on the David Glenn Show. Mr. President, Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina, love the people in North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.